Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. First, it was the Slovenian. Then, it was the Serbian. The National European Takeover happening live on TNT on Tuesday night when Luka Doncic hit two crazy step-back threes in the final moments to get another win and send his Mavericks to a 500 record now. And then you had Nikola Jokic, his fourth 40-point game in 12 games for the Nuggets to beat the Blazers. And they're back on the the rise again. The Euros, man. The Euros. And then we had our All-Star Reserves announced, which means that the game and the teams are set for both the East and the West in Atlanta in March. What's up, guys? It's Keeping It 94. Spencer Davies, along with Brian Fritz, part of the BasketballNews.com podcast network. Can't wait to talk about the rest of the things happening in the NBA, but those are the ones that led it for me. Brian, what's going on, Bob? Not only did we get an awesome last 15 seconds of the game from Luka Doncic on Tuesday night, but as somebody who appreciates broadcasting, the great Iron Eagle on the call for that game as well, which is fantastic. Uh, that that's the Luca we've been waiting for. And I know that he wait, uh, he lives for those moments and uh, he delivered. I mean, he put so much pressure on himself, but that guy hit two crazy threes in the final 15 seconds of that game to uh, give the Mavs a, a huge win against the Celtics. And it was, it was something to watch. It was just so smooth though. The first one, just the ball handling and the footwork, there was no travel there. There was a step back where the ball was actually bouncing in between his legs when he got it up over who I forget who it was, but over somebody uh, who had a great contest on it. And then you had the final play where it was reminiscent of his playoff victory um, game winner over the Clippers. If you recall from the bubble, almost the same spot, just dribble to the left, step back, boom, nothing but net. Oh God, it was gorgeous. And you got nothing to say about Joker, huh? (laughs) <laughs> Joker was incredible again last night. I mean, that's why like everybody keeps talking about like, uh, you know, MVP arguments, you know, even though we're a third of the way through the season or whatever. And, you know, everybody's talking about like LeBron's trying to win it, but it's down between him and Embiid. And I'm of the opinion, like, yeah, those guys are in the discussion. Obviously we have such a long way to go. And I will always bring up Joker despite the Nuggets 
record and the problems that they've been going through. But that guy is playing so incredibly well and has carried that team. And it's not just um, he's putting up these regular 25-point games. He's hitting 40 on a regular basis. I mean, he's it's almost like he's doing what Jamal Murray did in the bubble. He's now doing during the regular season, which has just been incredible to watch. You know, I mean, you can't discount that guy um, and his contribution so far this season, how much fun he is. I mean, you could sit there sometimes and it could be a slog to watch some big guys. It's not always the most exciting thing in the world. He is moving in slow motion and his game is so fun from the shots that he can create to the passes that he makes and just his all around game. The passes with his back to the basket are my, my favorite, man. I don't know. He just throws, throws them like over his shoulder. He'll do behind the back. Sometimes he'll just look some, look one way out to the perimeter and then just do a no looker. He's just got such a, such a bag. And then you add in his improved mid range game this year and including uh, the outside as well. He's shooting over 40% from deep and it's just, it's the total package and the way that he rebounds. Like it's, it's all over there. And I th- even think his defense has been uh, a pretty okay this season. But before we get into the rest, did want to tell you to go follow basketballnews.com on all of our social platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Make sure you go look us up, give us a follow. Visit basketballnews.com. We have 10 other great podcasts for you to listen to. I'll tell you all about those later at the end of the show. But we have some great articles up on the site right now. Chris Sheridan with his all-star snub article and why Hawks guard Trey Young is the biggest snub. Uh, Nikias Duncan did a great film breakdown of Carl Anthony Towns and the Timberwolves and how Chris Finch, new head coach for Chris Finch, by the way, uh, should reshape that team in his image. Katie Heindel, a great article on the state of the Bucks um, of where they go now from here. Uh, be, actually, this was written before they blew the doors off of the Timberwolves on Tuesday, but still. Uh, and then we have uh, just a bunch of other great pieces of content on there. So make sure to go follow that. You can plug uh, yourself, Spencer, because you put up a nice piece about the thunder and how much you love the thunder. We talked about that last week here on the podcast and you have a very, very interesting read about how much fun the thunder have been and their propensity to keep games close. I hope that that's just shows that I have a way with words because I wanted the perfect title and I think I found the perfect title. And the funny part is after that Thunder rant a week ago, two weeks ago, whatever it was, you should have just seen it coming, guys. You should have seen it coming. I got into the Zoom with Mark Dagnall, very sharp guy, by the way. Um, you know, talking to uh, some of the players like Shay and uh, it was uh, Muscala, who's, who's somebody who's been a really solid role player this year, and uh, an upstart Teo Maladone, who people really need to take notice of. Uh, you can just tell that what their coach is telling them they believe in and they just follow suit. They do what they're, you know, been, been taught and they just kind of have this culture that they've, they've built there. And we always just assume that the thunder are just going to go away. It's almost like Spursian in a way um, nowadays, at least, but they're, they're learning. Uh, even if they're not winning these games, they're keeping them close and they're going to outscrap you. But I'm not going to go any further on the thunder there. We're going to you know, continue to stay on the things that we haven't quite talked about uh, at length as much. So, Brian, let's get it started. Let's, let's address the elephant in the room. I know that you've been concerned. You've been texting. You've been concerned 
Uh, I've also been texting you some things that you've not wanted to believe in, but we're also going to get into that. Let's start with your Lakers. Uh, they are in a slump. They've lost four out of five. Anthony Davis is hurt. Dennis Schroeder hasn't been in because of COVID. What is your take on what is going on? And then I will provide mine or just a response to yours, uh, just to kind of calm the room down a little bit. It's funny you say that because even when I send you those messages, I am not in a panic as a Laker fan. I'm not like some of the fans out in LA calling into sports talk radio who feel like they're about to jump out of a window because the Lakers have dropped four out of five and have not looked that great. Uh, but I'm just pointing out some of the different things that, that stand out when it comes down to crunch time. And if you have a healthy AD, you have a healthy LeBron James, if Dennis Schroeder's in the lineup, if, if this team is at full tilt, they're still the favorites because of what they can do defensively and, and the power of LeBron James, you know, especially teaming with AD. That being said, you can obviously some of the major problems that this team has right now, because there's nobody that can create their own shot outside of LeBron right now. They, they lack some, you know, some guys, some playmakers, some ball handlers. But I, I think the other thing is too, this is a fundamentally different team than what we saw last year out of them because they did make some changes. Um, Wes Matthews has come over. Uh, Schroeder has come over to help with the point guard situation. Uh, both of their bigs are gone in JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard. And now they've got uh, Marcus Saul and they got Montrez Harrell. So that, that's changed a lot because they're not playing above the rim like they did last year. And I think they knew that this team was not going to be as good defensively as it was um, last year. And it was going to be one of those work in progress things as the season goes on. The other, the thing that stands out to me, and it, and it was the thing that stood out last year that the Lakers were able to really turn up in the playoffs is just shooting because this is a team that started out the season hot and their legs have caught up with them. And I believe they're now 21st in the league when it comes to three-point shooting. Um, they're around 35%. They've really been struggling. Um, LeBron, the last couple of games even, has really been struggling from three-point range. So. To me, that's the biggest thing for this team is, is the shooting and also they, the turnover situation. They turn the ball over a ton, and they do not force turnovers like they did last year. They're good defensively. But last year, what made that engine run was the way that they forced turnovers and got out on the break and just crammed it down everybody's throat. And they're not doing that as much this year. Well, they are missing Schroeder, so that, that is one part of it. Um, and they are missing Anthony Davis, somebody who gets deflections and blocks everything in sight. Right. Like, so that's kind of under, understandable. Um, they had Avery Bradley last year. I mean, if, if you really want to look into the, the turnover forcing argument. Uh, but, but I just wanted to kind of talk about how people could just kind of develop this amnesia when it comes to this team, though. Like, so for a five game stretch, that's who the Lakers are. No one's missing, you know, like they didn't just win a title four or five months ago. It's because I mean, come the on. Lakers it's, it's because, but come on, but come on. If, if that are, if that's the argument for them, if those same people are saying that the Utah jazz can't do it, then who the hell is going to come out of the West and who the hell is going to win the championship? Well, see, here's the thing though. It's, it's the, you Lakers. can't have it both ways because Remember, if you go back even like uh, 
two, three weeks ago when the Lakers were still healthy and, you know, had either the best or second best record in the league. Was there a lot of talk about them? No, there really wasn't a lot of talk about the Lakers this year, even though they're the freaking Lakers. They've got LeBron James. They got Anthony Davis. They're coming off winning the championship. They're the marquee franchise in the NBA. And nobody was really talking about them. When did they start talking about them? Once they start struggling. And of course, we knew they were going to you know, take a little bit of a step back or is it to be expected when you have one of the top 10 players in the league is going to be missing from your team for the next month or so. And then with Schroeder going down as well and just kind of the role that he plays in the team, it was obvious you know, they were going to struggle or even if they were going to win some games, it was going to be tougher. I mean, look at the game that they lost on Monday night to the Wizards. They're up by 17, let their foot off the gas. The Wizards came you know, right back into that game because they're really good on offense. That game, you know, should have been wrapped up in regulation, but, you know, Marcus Gasol missed a couple of free throws. LeBron James missed a free throw that would have put them ahead at the end of the game, but he did not make that. Um, and next thing you know, this game goes to overtime and the Wizards, you know, outlast the Lakers. So, you know, it'll be as we're recording this on a Wednesday morning, the Lakers are going to play the Jazz tonight. It was a game that a lot of people are looking forward to. But, you know, now they're playing this game and the Lakers are down, you know, two of their starters. And we'll see what happens. But, hey, they, this is part of the NBA, especially when you're going through a pandemic. How many teams have gone through this? The Lakers have been very, very lucky so far this season that they really have not been affected by the pandemic, except for Caruso missed a week or so, and now Schroeder's missing a week. But outside of that, this is a team that has been untouched by that. AD going down is the first major injury this team has had, and they're keeping him benched more out of precaution for as long as they're going to do. I mean, if this was the finals, maybe he could come back or he could come back a lot sooner. But obviously, they're going to play it safe because this team does not really care about what seed that they have. All they care about is getting into the postseason and have everybody healthy. So that way, when the playoffs come, they are locked and loaded. I'm glad you brought up Caruso because it's, it's clear that the pressure has started to affect him. And that's kind of surprising considering that he was a part of a championship team. So you feel like you'd be able to kind of, you know, handle that. But I guess he hasn't handled this particular role where LeBron has passed him the ball and he's had to make these shots that are very, very like game determining. You could just kind of see it uh, in his face and his, his reluctance there. He had a couple opportunities against the Wizards to let it fly and he decided to put it on the floor instead or pass it. Um so that's another part of this that I think a lot of people were overlooking is that guys like Caruso, um, you know, guys like Kuzma, they're not hitting the the big shots that, you know, AD would be or even maybe Schroeder making a big play, uh, you know, being the veteran that he is like those. Those are important, like because you see KCP knocking down like clutch threes. Uh, even if he's had an off game, you know that he's going to step up. He's shown that this entire season that he can make pivotal shots. But when LeBron, you know, passes it over to Caruso, uh, even Kuzma at times that they kind of, they don't shrink in the moment, but they're just not, they're not at that level yet where they can be depended on. Well, I think they're being asked to do different things that they're not used to. And it's an adjustment for them. You know, when it comes to Caruso, I think we can all look at his game and know what he needs to improve on. I mean, he's really good defensively. 
He is good when it comes to playing off of a LeBron and some passing and traffic and different things. But when it comes to his offense, he's still not a good enough consistent three-point shooter because he doesn't, he, he shot at a high percentage earlier this year, but there's no volume into that. And then the other thing is too, he doesn't finish really well at the rim. And, you know, this is a guy that you would think like, okay, he's got some of these other parts of his game down. This is what he's going to focus on, but he's still struggling, you know, in those aspects. And, um, you know, that that's something that they need right now, especially when when Schroeder is down and they need another ball handler. They're going to rely on somebody like him. I think, you know, over the past you know week or so, everybody was talking about, you know, Taylor Horton Tucker and, you know, what a valuable asset he is. Well, guess what? Over the last week or so, he has not been that valuable of an asset. I mean, he he has struggled as well with the different things he's being asked to do. So I think that's part of it is there is you know, what your role is on a team and then what that role is going to be adjusted to depending on uh, injuries and when other guys are not in the game. Let's flip the script, Brian. We can finally get to what I want to talk about. Sure. What I've been texting you all week. All I've been getting is middle of the night, literally middle of the night texts that are all caps screaming wizards in about, um, I don't know, 50 characters, something like that. Yeah. Wizards. And you think I'm down on them for some unknown reason. What? Because last week you told me to pump the brakes, man. You told me to pump the brakes. And then what did they do? They came into Staples Center and they took out your boys. Yeah, they did. did. I was watching that game and there was about four minutes left. And I literally was sitting there going, Wizards are winning this game. I'm like, they are going to win. I knew it at that point. I was like, they're going to win this game. And they did, you know, give them a lot of credit. I mean, hey. They are right back in it, man. They are right back in it. And I don't care what happened on Tuesday night. That is a brutal back-to-back. The Los Angeles back-to-back. I was talking to Shane Young uh, the other day uh, on Twitter, and I was like, the only team to have had swept that had to be the Nets. The only team. And I'm talking, if they have, this is a back-to-back. This isn't just playing in LA twice, two and three days. This is back-to-back nights. And they were coming off of a, an overtime victory against the defending champions. So, of course, they were going to be a little gassed the next day. But Can I point on this something road out? trip, on this road trip, they have found something, whether people want to like it or not. And they are back in the hunt because nobody has separated themselves, as we've been talking about, for months. I love that you say they're back in the hunt. And they probably are. But this is a team that's won five of six and are 11 and 18. That's 11 right. and 18. I mean, that's, that's that's right. Is that more of a statement of just where the Wizards are or just where the Eastern Conference in the NBA is? Both. But let me tell you something. The COVID protocols have had ruined them at the beginning of the season. Russell Westbrook not being healthy ruined them at the beginning and the middle of the season. We know what Bradley Beal can do. Did you see, have you seen how Rui Hachimura and Davis Bertans defend, though? I was going to say, Hachimura especially has really kind of come on. Oh, my and, God. Dude, he's been taking on the toughest players. They've been asking him to, to guard the toughest players. That's why he, I was so confused when LeBron got uh, Russell Westbrook assigned to him on the last shot, um, the, the one where he missed the free throw where he got the N one. I was like, what are you doing? Because Rui was doing such a good job. It's the job that they're doing just basically at half court where they're trapping guys or they're doubling guys and they just know how to get back to their assignments in time. If there's a screen 
or if there's another kind of misdirection, they just know how to keep up with their men. And Bertans is finally hitting some shots. Hachimura, the thing that I like about his game so far is that he's not trying to do too much. He's playing within the flow. He knows his role. He's defending. He's getting those corner threes. Um, and I, th- I think he's really embraced what he's done. And it's, it's nice to finally see him healthy and kind of get in the flow with his team. And like you said, I mean, they've missed so many games because of COVID. And now they're finally coming together. This is the team that even before the season, I thought was going to be a team that would make the playoffs and not just the playing game. I thought they would get like, like an eight seed, maybe even a seven. And I mean, they've got some work to do. Obviously there's still four games back of that position in the East, but yeah, they're back. They're back in the hunt. They're finally getting the ball rolling here. Robin Lopez, Rolo, his hook shot belongs in the Naismith. I don't know if I, you see that thing. It's like a some random shot put. It goes from his ankle it. to over his head. How it's do you do so that? It's so weird looking, but it's money. It's money. It's just this like little shove. I can't even describe it because people can obviously see us. But like he described it as like, if you remember the little barrel uh, with the monkey toys when you were a kid. The like Absolutely. red monkeys in the barrel. Yes. He said that's what, he, that was how he described his hook shot. How the form just, I don't know, but it goes in. How does and that it's, ball it's not money. get stripped out of his hands when it's still at his ankle, though? <laughs> I mean, he, like, he does because he does it so fast. It, it's like it, it's it's a combination of a it's not even a jump hook. I don't know. It's like and a he doesn't shovel. even extend his arm all the way. It's not like a Kareem sky hook where you extend your arm and then you hook it, nope, it well, in the flip. wrist. It's not even in the wrist. It's all in the arm whether he does it. You know, it's an interesting form. So. If you don't look, if you don't watch Robin Lopez do hook shots, you're missing out, guys. You're missing out. But he's also splitting time with Mo Wagner. And what I tell you last week, Brian, when they put him in the lineup, they won a couple in a row. Wagner's been huge. Like the German is coming on. Oh, that's your old friend, Brian. That's your old friend. Rob Polinka loved him some Mo Wagner, and that's why he uh, he drafted him out of Michigan for the Lakers. But you know he didn't uh, did, wasn't doing well with LA, so they uh, they made the move. Yeah, and it, it's not even the offensive end. I know that he had a good night uh, against the Clippers when they were trying to you know keep uh, keep keep up with them. But it's the defensive end for me when when he's deflecting the ball, when he's taking on assignments and it looks like he's gaining more confidence with each, with each game because he knows his place in the rotation. He's not getting sat for Alex Len anymore. Like, I think I think that's huge for them just because they, that's another piece to the puzzle that they could potentially have if they stick with it. Uh, but you referred to it, man. Uh, the, you know, guy, the, the, the bench has been big for them. Uh, Denny Avdia. I think that was his best game as a pro so far against the Lakers. Hit a huge corner three. Um, somebody who's still, you know, trying to get back into the flow of things. Again, this team was ravaged by COVID, so he hasn't really had the opportunity uh, to to have a, a cemented role and to also keep up with the NBA speed at the same time. What a challenge, by the way, that would be. Um well, the thing about this team is, too, is we all know about Bradley Beal. I mean, you know, he's averaging almost 33 points a game. He made, you know, he's an all-star starter, but he does it quietly in a lot of games. I mean, even look at this game against the Lakers, and then this hasn't been the only game he's done this, where he's he has a slow first half, maybe even three quarters. And if the game is kind of within reach, he will turn it up and he gets he gets going. And he makes it look so easy, man. 
Like some of these dribble moves that he he almost lost the ball to 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 one of the dribble moves that he made, and he re, he he got it back, and then he had this ridiculous finish. I I can't forget. I can't remember if it was a an and one or not, but this was against the Lakers, um, and he just threw it up there. He 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 can do it inside. He can kill you on the the mid range off the bounce. He can spot up and shoot threes. He can pull up and shoot threes. It doesn't matter. He just makes it look so effortless. And and he is just an offensive machine. And maybe that's why he's probably tired on the other end, because he's just doing so much. Um, and we have we've gotten this far without having mentioned Russ. And I know last night wasn't exactly, you know, his his best performance, but again, I'm gonna credit that to an overtime game the night before, uh, to where he had a great game. But he's been really turning it on. And by turning it on, I mean, he has really looked fresh. His legs look fresh. He's moving well. He's, he's going to that midi, shooting less threes. Um, the turnovers are still up, but that's going to happen. Um, I'd say about half of those are bad, and half of them are more about being aggressive and trying to make the right play, and his, his teammates can't hang, hang on to the ball, or the pass is just a little too low, whatever it may be. Um, He's been doing a lot better in that category. But well, I think when I, you I look at think, Russ, yeah. he's the guy that so many of us have written off. I mean, we look at what happened last year in the bubble and come to find out, you know, coming back from COVID, coming back from injuries, you know, that effect. And we said, okay, let's, let's get him fresh here. He hasn't been right to start the season. And it's another one of those things where, I mean, include me in the conversation and said, hey, where is he at? Because is, is father time catching up with him? Because He's such an athletic player. And if he doesn't have that athleticism, what is he, you know, on the court? And, you know, he's finally getting his body right, apparently. I I thought it was more of a, okay, this is all Russ is right now, you know, kind of a thing. And he's really in decline. But maybe I need to pump the brakes on that a little bit. And let's see where this guy is at, because he's starting to play better. And hopefully he can keep this up. When he got the N1 against LA the other night and he started screaming towards the audience, I was like, okay, that's my guy. That's my guy. Well, he's, he's starting to feel it, too. It's not just his body, but the confidence is coming back as well. Not that you would think that Russ Westbrook is a guy that's lacking confidence, but, um, but you, you can really see it in his game as well. For sure. For sure. All right, Brian, you want to talk about the Celtics I see on the, on the chart here. So uh, go ahead, set the table. I will tell you what I think, because I've actually watched quite a few Celtics games uh, here as of late. So um, well, I, mean- I have a little bit to add. Yeah, the Celtics are now below 500. They're 15 and 16 on the season. Wild, isn't it? They're the it's, only the only team to have two All-Stars on a team 500 or below. It, it's crazy. I mean, and we'll get five, into the All-Star talk too. By yeah, the absolutely. But I mean, they're 5 and 10 in their last 15. And I mean, they lost, you know, on Tuesday night to the Mavericks with Luca with the dagger shot and everything. You know, they they've really missed Marcus Smart on this team. And uh, you know, just, just for everything that he brings when it comes to kind of his toughness, his defense, his leadership, all those different things, he, the things that don't show up in a stat sheet. But the other thing is, too, when it comes to this team, I mean, Kemba, you know, coming back from his injury, he's not totally there. You know, he's starting to look a little bit better, but there's obviously been a lot of problems when it comes to keeping him healthy and what he's going to do on the court, especially, you know, in these clutch minutes, they, they need that third score. Um, and you know, 
they've got Jalen Brown. They got Jason Tatum. You know what you're going to get out of those guys every night. I think Kemba's kind of up and down and it's a team that needs to make a move. Um, I don't know if it's just a big or what exactly they need. They've got that huge trade exception of, you know, $28 million or so. And I don't know exactly what they're going to do with it. I don't know if Danny Ainge feels an urge to use it or if they're just going to wait. Uh, but I mean, this is a team that that needs to probably do something. I wouldn't say panic and I'm not saying make a panic move or, or make a move just to kind of stop the bleeding because the way that the Eastern conference is, if you get the ship right and you've got two all-stars, you can still do a lot of damage and probably go far in the postseason. but it's a team that needs to do something. Don't make a move for a big. I just, I love Robert Williams too much to see them kind of push him down again. He's, he's kind of been limited on his minutes this season, but they just, they need to kind of platoon him and Tristan uh, to tell you the truth, because he's just, it's not that he's outplaying Tristan because Tristan's actually been on a really nice stretch here, um, especially defensively. But I feel like Robert Williams brings this just like kind of a wrench into what teams are expecting. He's an athletic freak. He blocks everything. He has quick hands, so he gets steals. He's able to defend like, and he's just so good running the floor and in transition. And as a rim runner, like find that dude on lobs, it's easy offense. But I was just looking at what the issue is and it's the defense for for the Celtics right now. So I'm not saying to play like Tristan and Williams both, but if one's not working, put the other in. I mean, look what happened to them their first game against Atlanta and they had a two game series with Atlanta. They won the second one, but the first game they gave up 122 points and Trey had 40, 40. He dropped 40 like that. That can't happen against a team like that in a stage where they are at because the Hawks have been kind of scrambling a little bit. I know they've been hit by injuries, but um, they did just lose the Cleveland last night for, for goodness sake. Um, so that I think is the root of the issue is the, the defensive issues. Uh, the lapses are, are tough to overcome. I do like the, the, the rookie that they've been playing Aaron Neesmith. I've mentioned him on this podcast before. I think that he brings a certain grit and style to it. Um, but right now, I mean, the missing bodies are hurting them, but it's defensively. They need to really step up. Uh, they need to stop committing so many fouls. Um, and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, I feel like they're feeling the pressure a little bit because Marcus Smart is missing, that they're trying to make it up all for themselves and make these home run plays and gamble uh, for, for steals and, and, you know, high plays that'll get them easy buckets in transition. But it's okay to, you know, take the single on the defensive end. Um, you don't have to always, you know, try for the big play. If you just stay in front of your man, force him to give it up, whatever it may be, maybe that's the better course of action. Well, Kemba has just struggled on both ends of the court so much, not only just staying on the court, but even when he is on the court, because he's not shooting very well from the field. We know about deficiencies on the defensive end, especially being a, a smaller point guard. Uh, and, and they've, you know, I, I like Tom Ward a lot as well. Um, they've got some defensive problems probably with their bigs as well. And it's not just an issue that gets solved, I think, when Marcus Smart comes back. And that's why I say I think they need to make a move. I'm just not exactly sure what that move is. Same. Neither am I. And 
they do have $28 million trade exception that they can use. I just don't know what the right solution is. I don't know. I, I don't know either. I, I mean, even if they do make a move, I would not. Who's a two-way, who is a two-way wing that wants out of town? Right. I mean, and, and I don't think they're going to use all of it if they do something. I think, I mean, yeah. they can use a portion of it. They can save the rest for the off season or whatever. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, that's something that they're fishing around with. And it's funny because we talk about like teams that are looking to make a move right now and, and not, not to harp on this too much, but like when it goes to the Lakers, everybody's like, Ooh, they just dropped Quinn cook. They're going to make a move. You know? Oh, the Rockets just waved you know, Boogie no, no. cousins. I'm like, yep. they're not going after Boogie because Boogie does exactly what they already have. They need something that's a little bit different than what they have right now. Or can, can I give you my favorite little rant that I hate? Go for it. I dislike it so much when talking heads that are NBA experts or ex-players who are very smart people and know the game, but for whatever reason, do not understand the fundamentals of the NBA salary cap and how trades work. When I have to hear somebody on ESPN that has three initials, I won't say a name, three initials that people call them a lot of times, or especially one middle initial, who is talking about the Lakers need to get Devin Booker. You know, that happened, what was it, before the season or before last season? I'm like, do you not understand the salary cap and how that can't work? Oh, and by the way, it takes two teams to make a trade, like both of them want to get something out of it. Or my latest one is a perk. The Lakers cannot trade for Andre Drummond because he makes too much damn money. He's He was on TV the other morning talking about like, oh, the Lakers need to make a trade for Andre Drummond. How are they going to make that work? It's impossible. The only way that the Lakers could get Drummond is if the Cavs waived him. Or if he gets traded to another team and gets waived and they sign him. So that's not happening. It's, it's just something that, that irks me. It's just like, these guys are really smart. And they know the game, but it's just like, you got to know this aspect of it. Well, you can't just throw out like a trade, like, oh, this team needs a trade for this or that, or blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's not the way it works. They are trade machine Twitter. They are trade machine Twitter. Um, I, I, I propose that instead of calling them like, NBA analysts or experts, if they can't get that portion right, we should just refer to them as hot take artists. <laughs> That's what they are. All righty. All righty. I, I can't call it. you an expert if you don't understand the, the basics of the NBA salary cap and how trades work. I feel it. I feel it. Or ex-NBA player, whatever you may want to refer to them as. I just you look know? at them like, come on, man. You come, you're smarter than that. You know better than that. Come on. Find a way is what they're thinking. Find a or, way. Or they're just oh. thinking about the ratings. Let's be honest. Well, I mean, the Cavaliers are like, hey, man, no problem. We'll take LeBron James or we'll take Anthony Davis. We'll give you Andre Drummond straight up. No problem. We can make, get this done today, man. They should trade one of their rookies for right. Andre Drummond or something oh, like that. Oh, like, okay, with $26 million in a difference in salary. There, there's so much promise in, in Taylor Horton Tucker. Teams around the league want him. Yeah, what does he make? A mil? Mill and a half? What, whatever it was. Like, you're not giving anything for him. <laughs> right. There are rules to the game. There are rules. Yes. Nets, seven straight. That road trip was something. As I mentioned earlier, they're the only team that has probably swept that LA back to back. Maybe not a back to back, but LA, two games in LA. Say that. They look like they're rolling. 
it looks like ever since James Harden had the talk with Kyrie Irving or vice versa, whoever approached who, and they chose the beard to be the guy as the point guard, just looks right. They look in sync. I know they still have issues on the defensive end, but they've been a little better as of late. Um, it's just something about the way that they can just kind of turn it on whenever they want to. Oh, they're down by 12. Let's, you know, start celebrating. No, you're not going to do that against this team. Mm-mm. You saw it in Phoenix. <laughs> that, that comeback in Phoenix was ridiculous. Um, and then they go on to play the Lakers and pretty much handle them, I would say. They play the Clippers, and they might have been a beneficiary of the call at the end of the game, you might say. Kawhi Leonard, James Harden. Not if you look at the referee report afterwards, but... Yeah, does the referee report mean a damn? <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but you can't ignore how well James Harden has been playing. That's why he's the Eastern Conference Player of the Week for last week. Kyrie Irving just looks like he's in his bag. Joe Harris can shoot the ball from anywhere on the floor. Did you see that graphic? Scott actually post, posted in, in our, uh, our company's Slack channel. I want to bring it up because it's just stupid. On the corners, he's shooting 52.7%, first in the NBA. Above the break, Joe Harris is shooting 49.4%, first in the NBA. On wide open threes, 58.8%, first in the NBA. On catch and shoots, 55.8% first in the NBA. So no matter what you do with the dude, he's going to make shots. And that's a really big weapon when you have the attention that is drawn to Kyrie Irving and James Harden. And let's not forget the fact that Kevin Durant is just on the sidelines watching. So that attention's already drawn away from Joe Harris. What do you think is going to happen when Kevin Durant's on the, on the court? Like, that is scary. So that's why a lot of people have them as the favorites of, to come out of the East. I still think that the Sixers match up with them really well. But this is, this is something that's very real. And they're figuring it out. They've got guys like Shamit coming off the bench who's been playing better as of late. Bruce Brown, an unsung hero of that team, taking on big defensive assignment, assignments when that team is known not to be great on that end. He's big time. Jeff Green, before he hurt his shoulder and got that stinger, he's been really good. Call him Steady Eddie. That's what Jeff Green does. He just brings, you know, that, that versatility and that consistency the team, the team needs. I have to go back on my word. DeAndre Jordan's been playing a lot better. He's been working with those high handoffs with Harden the way that Capella was working with Harden. Uh, just coming off the rolls, uh, you know, whether it's in transition or setting screens. He's been doing a lot better on that side of the ball. I'm not saying he's going to be good on the defensive end, even though he did take the challenge um, in a couple games on the road here, but he's been better. So that's good. Uh, they're keeping their, their flexibility here. They waived Andre Roberson, James Harden, or not James Harden. <laughs> they waved James Harden, Spencer. They waved. Andre There's going to be a little interest in him around the league. Waved Andre Roberson. They waved Iman Shumpert and they waved Noah Vonley. They kept two of those guys, the 10 day contracts because 10 day contracts were, they started on Tuesday. 
Uh, by the way, another important date. Not sure if this podcast will be out by then or not, but at 5 p.m. today, there are a number of deals that guarantee. So keep an eye on that. But uh, they've just been getting good contributions um, all around. And I think that that's why they are so good as they are. And again, it goes back to Joe Harris needs to be appreciated because when these guys are concerned about Joe Harris, it's a pick your poison. Who are you more concerned about? The 50, 50% three-point shooter or the dynamic drivers and shooters that James Harden and Kyrie Irving are? Kind of a tough pickle, isn't it? Do you think that Kyrie Irving regrets not mentioning Joe Harris last year when he talked about how this team needs more help and did not include him as one of the guys that was a valued member of the team? I now, think he would realize that, that this was, year. I that think he'd probably, realize it this year. I think it was just an oversight on Kyrie. So I'm just kind of making light of the situation. I'm sure he meant to mention him or who knows when it comes to Kyrie. But Joe Harris is, and we knew this too, he would be such a valuable part of this team for what he could do. He's a, he's a wing that can. He's dead you know, eye. He's a dead he's, eye. He's a dead eye shooter. That's also a wing. Okay. So it's not like he's a small guy. It's not like some guy that just can play some role. I'm not saying he's playing lockdown defense or anything like that, but he can do some other things as well, but he is a dead eye shooter and it's exactly what this team desperately needs. And, and, and so many times, we talk about this and we'll see if we're all going to be made fools about this or anybody that talked about the inefficiencies of the Nets when it comes to the defense, because they're still out there. They've gotten a little bit better. I think they'll get a little bit better when they get Durant and we'll see who they can pick up, you know, when it comes to maybe some minor trades or, or guys that are going to be out there on the buyout you know, market. But how many times do we all talk about, well, this is just the regular season and then we'll see what happens when the playoffs come. You know, you've got to be able to lock down guys and you've got to be able to come up with big plays on that end of the court. But the Nets are trying to throw it in everybody's face right now going, yeah, we know we got to be a little bit better defensively, but we don't believe we have to lock down teams because we're so good on offense. We have so many different options when we are going to be, you know, at our most powerful when we have everybody in the lineup, when we have Durant and when we have Irving and when we have Harden. And we've got a lockdown, a knockdown shooter like a Joe Harris. We can do so much on that end of the court. It will make up for any defensive inefficiencies that we have. And I think Score that's 130, give up 125. Exactly. Like, and I'm not saying they want to get in these shootouts all the time, but they feel like we're there. We're, we're not so worried about it. We, we get these stops here and there. That's good enough because we are so confident on what we can do on offense with the weapons that we have and how efficient we are. Like, who are you going to pick? Okay. Even if you say you've got um, Jordan in the lineup, but your, your last five minute lineup, your closeout lineup has Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Joe Harris in it. That is ridiculous. That is tough. It's not impossible, obviously, but man, that that's going to be a beast to deal with. It is. It is. So the standings are set right now. Utah, 25 and six at the very top. We've talked at length about the Utah Jazz on this podcast, uh, but they just keep rolling. They were in a what a one possession game after the end of the third quarter with the Hornets and then just blasted them after that. 14 threes combined, seven each for George Niang. And Joe Engels, just put him to bed. 
<laughs> it was crazy, man. That was like a ridiculous run. I think they scored like 44 points or some ridiculous number. They do um, it so fast. That's to, the thing to, too. To, to, to win it going away. Um, yeah. And then uh, Philly's at the top of the chain in the East, even though Brooklyn's just slightly behind them, just has one more loss. They're both 21 win teams. Uh, digging out the mud, we've got Toronto, even though they lost to Philly last night, they still played a good game and they're at 500. So that's big time. Um, already mentioned Dallas. They're back to 500 as well. You've got, again, I start every podcast with this, but everyone's hovering around the 500 mark. Cleveland at the 14 seed at 11 and 21 is only three, three and a half games back from a playoff spot and two and a half back from a play in spot. So we're, we're still, it's a mess. It's a mess in the East and in the West, you have four 21 teams at least. So there's a little bit of separation, but no one's quite dead there yet as well, because the Warriors have the eighth seed at 17 and 15 right now. Well, let me put it this way. Okay. At, at the mark that we're at right now, most teams playing around 31, 32 games, right? Yep. What teams are you confident are not going to make the playoffs? Confident in not making the playoffs that are in the picture right now? Or just wherever they're at right now? Just wherever they're at? Oh, this is tough. Um, this includes the play-in, right? So the top 10 in sure. each? So, yeah, we'll count okay. the top 10. Okay. Uh, I'm still going to go with the Thunder. I'm going to go with the Pelicans. You're Sacramento. confident the Pelicans are not going to make the playoffs? Too much, too much noise around that, that spot. Wow. Too much noise. I do, I do, I do like um, that they've been on the up again, but I'm not convinced. They're going with this point Zion experiment, which is interesting uh, because he can make it happen uh, when he is the, you know, primary initiator on some of these. Yeah. Uh, but Brandon Ingram, it's kind of been a little bit after I mentioned how consistent he was a couple of weeks ago. He's just kind of up and down type of deal. Um, I mean, that's gutsy to say that. Yeah. I mean, and and by the way, there's just too the much. Leader, no, there's too much noise there. And you being the leader of the OKC bandwagon, I mean, you you're going to get some people upset at you over there. No, 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 no. Just because you don't make the playoffs doesn't mean the rebuild isn't working. I know. And this Seven, is, this is some, like 17 or something ridiculous picks in Sam Presti's pockets. He'll be all right. And more trades coming this year. Yep. Yep. Um, let's go Wolves. Definitely. Um, Pistons. I can't wait to talk about, and I'll, I'll leave it off this one, but when sometime in the next couple of weeks, we could talk about potential trades. There could be some names out there, man. Yeah, there could. A little it, bit of switcheroo. I mean, going you just on. mentioned when it comes to the T-Wolves, there could be a name out there. I wonder about. Yep. T-Wolves, by the way, as I mentioned earlier, Chris Finch, new head coach, hired away from the Raptors. Same night that they fired Ryan Saunders. What a Ooh, mess. They, they've got some things going on there. Hopefully Gerson Rosas got his guy because otherwise it's just, it's all over the place. Gerson, um, it might be on the hot seat now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Might be. Yeah, might be. Hopefully people enjoyed that. Uh, <laughs> but the Rockets. So you used to believe in the Rockets. They've dropped eight in a row. I, they want to go small ball again. Like last season they do. And they did just, get rid of DeMarcus Cousins. But John Wall's John Wall's been good this year. I think that they can figure it out the more they play like it. We can see when Christian Wood gets back. I'm not I'm not killing them yet. Um I'm not killing anybody in the East. I can't 
Wait, I can't, you, except for Detroit. I can't. What about Sacramento out west? I still think they could do it. Too. Oh, there it is. There it is. Still was a sack town. I still, as you say, I, I, I still think they could do it. But hey, uh, is, is there anybody in that list that I did not mention that you think doesn't make the playoffs? Cavs. Okay. They're not going to make it. Um, the Orlando Magic will not make it. Okay. That's the a good Magic- segue. That's a good segue, actually, Brian. Yep. Keep that thought. Because Nikola Vucevic in the All-Star game, which means we could talk about the All-Stars. All-Star reserves were announced at 7 p.m. on Tuesday night, which means that everything is set. Everything's good to go. We've got our teams in the East. Starters, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Giannis, Bradley Beal, and Joel Embiid. The reserves, James Harden, Jalen Brown, Zach Levine, Julius Randle, Ben Simmons, Jason Tatum, and Nikola Vucevic. Over in the West, LeBron James, Stephen Curry, Kawhi Leonard, Luka Doncic, and Nikola Jokic. The reserves, Anthony Davis will be out for injury. Paul George, Rudy Gobert, Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, Chris Paul, and Zion Williamson. So, to wrap up this pod, talk about the snubs. Who stands out as the biggest snub to you? By conference or just in general? In general. I would say Devin Booker, but we know he's getting in, so it's okay. He's probably getting in because obviously AD is not going to play. Right, exactly. If Anthony Davis wasn't injured, I'd been, wow, like Devin Booker. Because, I mean, if Chris Paul got into the All-Star game, Devin Booker should have gotten into the All-Star game. I think Chris with Paul that record, makes with more that sense. record that they have, yeah, being in the top half of the West, like that, that's definitely somebody who deserved a nod. You don't think that the the uh, the Mike Conley career uh, snubbing should have come to an end, and the, the Jazz that would have had the Jazz with three you know players in the All Star game, but they do have the best record in the league. Yeah, uh, it'd have been hard just. I understand, and I think that Mike Conley has had multiple all-star years, and he has just been the engine that gets the, the damn team going this year. But you can't convince enough of the general public who goes by numbers, doesn't really go by amount of wins, to vote him in. That's, that's my stance on it. I, th- I think there's like 40 deserving all-stars and that there's not nearly enough roster spots. Well, there's more snubs so, in the East than there are in the West. I mean, Devin Booker is probably the biggest name in the West. Conley, I think you can make an argument for. The other guys that are most talked about are DeMar DeRozan, Brandon Ingram. Derek I thought Box. DeMar could have been considered a snub as well just because of the way the Spurs are playing this year. I know that they've you know not really been in action because of the COVID protocols, but no one expected him to be in the position they're in. And he's just yeah. kind of upped his his game just as a playmaker and as overall. But I I still think that Book was the biggest one for me. If I had to pick in the East, there see, there's so many deserving ones in the East that it's just so hard to narrow down. Oh, by the way, when it comes to DeMar, I mean, the Spurs are quiet five seed in the yeah. West, and they do not have an all-star. Right. 
Yep. So that's the argument for everybody who wants to talk about, well, this guy's getting in because of record, which we can talk about in the West, because there's definitely one name that that's probably why he got in. But then you can talk about guys that didn't get in versus that. And they say, well, record, well, the Spurs are 16 and 11 and are fifth in the West and don't have an all-star. Exactly. Exactly. So in the East, I'd say a lot of people were in, in between on that Vucevic versus Sabonis debate. Um, I think that Domas lost out because of how the Pacers have played of late. I think that he kind of got the, the, the bad luck because they had such a good start to the season and then they started to kind of you know crater a little bit. I feel like that happened to Sabonis, even though he's the first, as you've noted, he is the first player who's averaged 20, 10, and 5 to not make the All-Star team, which is a crazy stat. Now and he's one of it. only three guys that are doing it this year. That's crazy. That's well, crazy. here's the thing, too. When you talk about Vooch and Sabonis' argument, is it also a, a BAM argument? Because he didn't get in as well, and I was, I was pretty surprised by that. Now, could two of these guys get in rather than just one? Maybe. I mean, there's always something about how many bigs they're going to put in. Um but I, I mean, that, that was a tough argument because like Vooch is having a career year. Sabonis is putting up bad numbers as well. Bam is, you know, he's not getting as much attention, but I mean, Bam's putting up better numbers than Anthony Davis is. Um, mind you, they're in different conferences, obviously. You look at, you look at, you can look at the, the Raptors who have climbed out of the basement and you can look at Fred Van Vliet. You can look at Pascal Siakam. Yes. Like, I mean, think about it. There are just not enough roster spots because who are you leaving out on that current team? Who are you leaving out? Julius Randle deserves it. No one expected the Knicks to be where they're at. Zach Levine deserves it just because if you look at his assist usage, uh, assist to usage rate, it's it's ridiculous. Like, I was Jason really, really and Jalen Brown, same yeah, thing. I'm, I mean, I, I was really happy that Julius Randle got in. I mean, he, he's been doing it all season long. He, same. he deserves this. Uh, You're not leaving out the big three on the Nets. You're not doing it. I'm yeah. sorry. You're not think, doing it. I think people will make the argument about Zach Levine, whether, you know, he should go in or not, because he's kind of a one trick pony from, you know, from that standpoint. From the past. That's not him. That's not him this year, though. And I'm glad you brought that up because we haven't talked much bulls on this. But, dude, this dude is passing the ball crazy now and he is making good decisions and he's taking over games at the end. He's shooting 43 percent from deep like <laughs> He is an all-star. He's absolutely an all-star. To me, there's no, there's no argument against it. When it comes to guys that made the team, to me, the guy that's has the is the most controversial, if you want to say it that way, is Ben Simmons. Because you can look at Ben's numbers and they look just rather pedestrian. But we all know what Ben does defensively, arguably the best defensive player in the league probably the best, at least uh, wing player in the league. And then the other things that he does that do not show up, you know, in the scorecard. This is when it goes, this is when it goes against the numbers type of deal. But you also can, again, look at how both top seeds and both conferences have at least two players on them on the all-star team. Right. Which I think is correct. Does Ben deserve it over a Bam Adebayo? Does he deserve it over a Trey Young? Trey is a guy that's, Another guy's going to get so much conversation. You know, it's funny because our colleague Alex Kennedy pointed out about, you know, compared last year to this year, you know, he was talking to us about in Slack about how Trey got 2.8 million votes last year and he got under a million votes this year. 
People and, are starting to sour on his play, play style. This game is taking place in Atlanta, and the Hawks don't have their star player on the all-star team? That tells me one thing. People are starting to sour on his play style. He's gone into foul hunting Trey. And it's almost like Harden-esque, the way that he does it. He's, he's trying to get guys onto his back, and then he's just flopping things up, and that's why he's averaging over 10 free throws a game. And that's not a detriment or that's not a, a you know, a, a diss on his game because Trey is so good. He is very magical in the way that he passes the ball. He had one last night where he was driving the driving the baseline. And I don't know how he did it, but threw it over his shoulder to uh, one of his teammates to dunk it. He can shoot the three, he can shoot the lights out. I know he's only 30, 37 percent this year, but there are times where he just gets it going and st- it pulls up from 30 feet. At the same time. If you're going to continue to foul hunt the way you are, people are going to take notice and they're going to start to really sour on how you play. That's just, that's just how it is. And, and Atlanta, Atlanta's in the basement right now. They're 13 wins. We expected this team to be at least a top five, top six team in the East. There's no chance. There's no chance that they saw him there. Now you got to also look at the context of the situation that Danilo Gallinari missed a lot of games. Bogdan Bogdanovich has been out for quite, quite some time. Uh, they've been missing DeAndre Hunter, who's been down with a, a tough injury, uh, a knee a knee condition or whatever it is. Uh, so, you know, John Collins having uh, trade rumors surrounding him. So well, there are factors that are affecting it. But at the same time, this is a team that a lot of people expected to take the leap and they're not taking the leap. They're taking a regression. I had so many questions like so many other people did when it came to the moves that they made in the offseason, were they too repetitive of what they already have? And I think that's what's come to play, plus the injuries. And I, I do think there is something when it comes to Trey Young kind of, uh, you know, getting people a little bit irked at him. And we've talked about this before, and it's not just fans. I think it's it's teammates. It's like you can see the talent there, but there's just so many little things that he does that you don't want to play with this guy. You know, the, the thing that irks me as a fan is just watch him go foul hunting the way that he does. And I know that there's plenty of people that are irked going, Hey man, you know, Atlanta's hosting the game. He's a star player in that team. He's putting up really big numbers. He should be in this game. But at the same time, I can look at it going, it's not just about numbers and it's not just, it's, it's gotta be numbers. It's gotta be wins. It's gotta be some other things that go into this. I'm not overly upset that Trey Young is not in this game. I would have been fine if he was in it. But I think there's other guys that are just as, if not more, deserving. Um, I'm more upset that Bam Adebayo is not in this game, quite honestly, um, because I would like to see him, and I think he's played so well, and he's even improved from what we saw last year. Um, So I, I I don't get all bent out of shape that Trey is not in this game, you know, and I'm not really overly surprised by it. Too many middling teams, Brian. Too many middling teams. Well, I mean, it's a tough world. You keep talking about like these rosters are not big enough. Look at what Gordon Hayward's doing. So do you want to see the all-star numbers? Do you want to see the all-star game rosters expanded to 15? Yes. To at least, to at least 30 players, at least. Why don't they do that? I don't understand it. I don't know. Maybe because they can't get them all playing time. I don't know, but who clearly, cares about clearly it? It's 24, an game. 24 is not enough. Who cares about how many minutes? Do you really think one of these guys is going to be upset because, oh, I, I only got I only got 27 minutes, you know, and because or I only got 20 minutes rather than 25 because we had to get everybody in. 
I mean, the the thing is, I think more people get upset. I don't know. I don't know the I don't know the basis behind the thinking of twenty four players, but clearly, no, it is not enough. Well, I think the one thing that they look at, quite honestly, is well, if I have fifteen, if I have more, and there's a guy that doesn't play or only plays like three or four or five minutes, is he going to get upset about? Or his fans going to get upset about that? Is his team going to be upset about that? Because now you've made the game, but it's like, yeah, you you got in the game, you you made the team, but you barely played. You know, is that kind of a diss on you? Well, I don't know. I know that Jimmy Butler was hung over a couple of years ago and only played like two, three minutes. Right. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially when it comes to this year and everything going on, do you think LeBron James is going to be upset? Now, fans might be upset. But no, and I'm not arguing played, that. But, if, but I'm saying if LeBron only played six minutes, I don't think he'd be upset. Like there's some guys I think fans like, would be extremely upset if that happened. Oh, I'm sure. But I mean, Hey, count me, you know, I, I get it. It's a fan thing. I'm not that. It's more about recognition. Yeah. But I mean, there's, there's, so there's, not, there's are, more than 24 fans want to see this game. I get it. I'm not one of those fans. that's like all giddy every year going, Ooh, here we go for the all-star game. By the way, I'm also, when it comes to other sports, I don't watch the pro bowl in the NFL. I think it's ridiculous that they have that game considering how physical that game is and guys are out there to can easily hurt each other. In the NBA, at least, there's no defense unless the game is really tight. You know, I like it. It was great. That, it was great last year in Chicago. Last year was great. I don't care what anyone they, says. They and they had the, the Elon Manning. Yeah. Yes. I like the way that they did that. But I'm not somebody that's just like dying to see, you know, these all-star games because they don't count anything. I'm I'm also not somebody that cares about results of preseason games or goes out of the way. I'll watch preseason basketball. It's because I want to see, especially some younger guys and how they're starting to look, but I'm not going to sit there and, and think of it like a regular season game. I just don't care about it that much. All right. I think that we got everything off of our chest. We're yelling at each other there for a good minute. Am I insensitive? I am. Okay. It's an exhibition <laughs> game. I will keep saying that over and over. If you like it, good for you. That's just my opinion. I don't care. Let's leave it there. Guys, go to basketballnews.com. Look at the other podcasts that are on our network. We are a part of it, obviously. Uh, Neat and Unfiltered with Kenya Martin and Jada Kiss. The Postcast with James Posey. Dishes and Dimes with the Ladies. The Rematch with Aton Thomas. The Dunker Spot, the best analytical podcast you can possibly listen to. X's and O's and everything with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr. Alex Kennedy Podcast, The Sheridan Show, The Follow Through with Clips and Drew. And of course, you've got your boys here at Keeping It 94. Make sure to subscribe, rate, comment. Give us any type of feedback that you possibly can. Don't forget to go over to our Twitter page. I'm at Spin Davies. He's at Brian Fritz. I'm on Instagram at Spin Davies, and he's on Instagram at It's Brian Fritz. Also, go visit basketballnews.com. We've got a lot of great articles on there for you. Exclusives and features and film breakdowns. So be sure to go on there, download our app, make sure to follow us on all of our social channels. And that's all I have. So we'll see you next week. And that's it.